Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk to the newest member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and he used to be a Blue Bomber. Eric Lofton was here in 2022. The offensive lineman has signed to come back for another year in blue and gold. Also, Mitchell Clinton will stop by as well to talk about the Jets and Canucks. Big game Saturday night. What happened at practice today? Why is Gabriel Velarde on the top line instead of Nikolai Ehlers? That's coming up on the podcast. Winnipeg Blue Bombers have made a free agent signing today. They picked up Eric Lofton to join their offensive line. He was with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders last year after spending part of the 2022 season with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And Eric joins us now on the CGOB Sports Show. Eric, welcome back to Winnipeg. Oh, man. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So tell us what made you want to come back to Winnipeg. Um, I, I'll be hundred percent honest. I never wanted to leave. Like this is one of the uh, this is one of the few organizations that when you finally play for, you don't want to leave. But as a, um, the position I play as a tackle, you always know that in Winnipeg, Stan and Yost were the two tackles. So you kind of you don't go there with the expectation that oh, I'm going to start or anything like that. At least I did. I came back thinking well, I came here in 2022, ready to learn and try to be the best player I can be, and then uh, you know what I mean, move on, get an opportunity somewhere else. Well, when the opportunity presented itself to come back to such a, a great franchise, not even that, just a great city, you got to jump at it. So when you saw Jamarcus Hardrick sign with the Rough Riders, or the news came out during the negotiation window last week that he was going to, did your thought immediately think of, oh, there's a hole in Winnipeg now? Um, to be honest with you, sir, I, I thought I was going to be playing with him. I thought I was going to be playing the other tackle on the other side. But um, they, they decided to go in a different direction. That's, that's completely fine. You know, it's free agency. It's, it happens. So I'm uh, just sitting, you know, I mean, just sitting around waiting as we all do during this time. And when I, when I heard that Winnipeg was interested in me again, you know, like I said earlier, it's just so I was saying I'm going to drop everything I'm doing, everything I, everything I have going on just for that. Of course. So take us back to 2022 then. M- much of the season on the practice roster, as you mentioned, Hardrick and Bryant have been the two pillars of that line for years. What did you learn from them during your time here? It, it, uh, they kind of told me how to be a professional all over again. Like during my career, I had been to like different teams, you know what I mean, different settings and everything. But it's like when I finally got to Winnipeg in 2022, those two, along with Coach Marty and everybody else on the offensive line, Patty, Chris, Mike, everybody was there, Jeff. They just, it's just different, man. They told me how to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Like, okay, this is how he plays, but you have to learn how to play next to him. And then he plays next to the center, so you guys all have to play together. And then just breaking down my technique every day. Yoshi and I stand like big brothers to me. They was with me every single day, watching extra film, working out, staying late with me on the field, just helping me become a better player. And I'm, I'm forever grateful for them. So you spent some time with Edmonton, spent some time with Ottawa before you, you wound up here in Winnipeg. What you saw from the the Bombers that year, you made the Grey Cup, didn't win the Grey Cup, but that winning environment, we've heard a lot from players over the years deciding to stay here, maybe taking a little less money to play here because they love to win. How important is winning to you? Oh, it's everything. Winning is everything. You know, from the time they're younger until now, like just the sport of football, everything is based upon winning, whether it's winning your one-on-one matchup or uh, winning as a team. You know, everybody wants to win a championship. They're lying to you. They say they don't. 
that's everybody's number one goal. So winning is winning trumps everything. And how about having Brady Oliveira in the backfield to block for? Yeah, it's crazy. Brady's a generational player, man. He's he can do everything. Of course, he can run. You know, you see him getting downhill fast. You see him making people miss. He can block. He can catch, run routes. He's a generational player. And protecting one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not the best quarterback in the league. I, I'm I like a lot. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stress and say one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. They ever play up there. I mean, Zach Claros is different. Like, not even is he an amazing quarterback. But Zach is an amazing person as well. Like, so is Brady. That's what makes Winnipeg different. Like, I'm not just blocking for two amazing players. I'm blocking for just two great guys off the field as well. So that's what makes it even better. It makes you want to go that much harder. Since the news came out that you were signing with the team today, how many teammates or former Bomber teammates, now current again Bomber teammates, have you heard from? Uh, honestly, a bunch. A bunch of guys is excited. It just – it brought it, – it brings you just like so emotional, like wow, like these guys are really ready to welcome me back into the family, which is like, especially like you know I spent a year with the rival. They as soon as they found a sign, like all right, clean slate. They just welcome me right back. I think the first person was uh, Chris Trevor. It was crazy. That's guy I never met him, but he's, he's a great guy too. I got to be uh, talk to him today. And Chris reached out, Teddy reached out, Stan reached out. Like everybody's been reaching out all day. Patty, like there's so many more people I just can't think of them off the top of my head. It's just. Is it, is it June yet? You know what I mean? I'm just excited. So where are you right now? Are you in the States? Yeah, I'm in Philadelphia. That's where I spend my all season. Okay. And what do you think is the thing you need to work on the most during the off season before you come back up? Um, I say just keep it. You got to keep everything sharp. Of course, you every off season, you want to make sure that you keep building, being bigger, faster, and stronger. So it's like that accumulates over the years. So it's not like every all season I'm starting from scratch. You have to make sure I continue that process. But then technique-wise, like football, is just working on adding like two or three new things that I couldn't do last year, but this year I can do a lot better. So when do you come up to Canada? Uh, I, think, I think I report May 10th. So you got three months to get ready. Yeah. So what do you do away from the field then to, to pass the time? Honestly, I work out a lot. Like I, I like different, uh, just different types of training, whether it's boxing, weightlifting, uh, Pilates is fun, yoga. But then during the off season, do I, I do like to work at um, behavioral health behavioral health hospital with uh, teenagers and adolescents. So that's kind of uh, fulfilling for the off season. Why did you decide to do that with your time? Because it's like, uh, you know, sometimes, like, children and teenagers just need, like, one person to say that they believe in them. I know when I was coming up, I wasn't the best kid or teenager. But luckily I played sports, so I always had, like, a coach or two who actually believed in me and invested time with me and made me want to, like, you know I mean, continue to do better and strive for, for more in life. And so it's important for you then to give back and try to make sure other people have a better experience than you did? Yeah. Oh, you always want to... You always want to, wherever place you go to, you always want to make sure that you left it better than you found it. Okay. So before you, uh, before I let you go here, what food item are you looking forward to having the most when you come back to Winnipeg? Oh, man. That's a tough 
tough one, man. You guys got a lot of stuff. You guys got a lot of stuff in Winnipeg. I was eating good. I know, uh, you know what? I'm going to say Burger Week. That oh. Burger Week changed my life, man. <laughs> There's a lot of that options. Burger- it's, it's almost overwhelming. Yeah, like it's, oh my gosh. Then it was like, you guys have like some good, like some good unique food down by the forks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm, ready. I'm ready to get back and play football and eat, man. I can't wait. Well, we look forward to having you back. Eric, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this. Congrats again on the new deal. Uh, thanks, man. No problem. That's Eric Lofton, Winnipeg Blue Bomber, once again turning 31 next month, a one-year contract for the American who will fight for that right tackle position vacated by Jamarcus Hardrick, who has signed with Saskatchewan. Let's go to Vancouver, where we find Mitchell Clinton, the Jets radio analyst, who was kind enough to delay his dinner plans to join us tonight. Mitchell, thanks for coming on the show. (laughs) You know, I can barely walk and chew gum at the same time, so walk and do an interview. We'll see how this goes. How are you? I'm doing good. Today at practice, we saw Gabriel Velarde switch to the top line and Nikolai Ehlers with Sean Monaghan and Cole Perfetti. Were you surprised to see that? Uh, a little bit. I, I did think initially that they were probably going to just put Nikolai Ehlers back on that right wing, but Rick Bonus just kind of said today that he felt that that trio kind of gave up a little bit more opportunities against than he would like to see. And, you know, obviously that, uh, that Connor Shifley Velarde trio is one that I think they really want to get going. But I am intrigued of Nikolai Ehlers back with Perfetti and seeing what, you know, he can do with, with Sean Monaghan as well. You know, add just a little bit more speed to that line than what Velarde does. Velarde does a lot of things really well. And, you know, it's not like he can't move out there. He can skate quite well. It's just Nikolai Ehlers has that lightning quick speed that we all know him for. So it be interesting to see how that combination plays off of Sean Monaghan and Cole Perfetti. It's interesting to see Ehlers get moved around the lineup. When he's on the top line, it seems like good things happen for that top line. Um, but right now, he's down to the quote-unquote second line. Uh, Shifley, Connor, and Velarde, we've seen them in, in limited doses so far. And coming out of the All-Star break, they played together and, and nothing really happened. Uh, why do you think Rick Bonus wants to see these three together so much? I think it's just kind of how their games play off each other. I think they read the game a, a similar way. Like, you know, there was a lot of work that Gabriel Velarde put into it at, uh, at training camp. And even though they weren't really able to do much in, in the preseason in terms of being together as a line, you know, I think it's a group that, you know, when you put it on paper, it, it's one that can work. And, you know, I think early on, you know, obviously they, they lose Gabriel Velarde in the third game of the season. And we all know about Kyle Connors injury, Mark Shifley out for a little while as well in there. So, you know, I think regardless of whether they've had, you know, a handful of games together, you know, whether they were all at 100% at that point, I'm not sure. They Only they, only they would know. But I think it, it's at the point now where I think Velarde's feet have been moving quite well the last couple of games. He started to do some of the things that Rick Bonus wants, you know, getting out of those corners. Yes, you can win the battles there, but, you you know, you got to get to that net front area where he's, um, where he's, he's quite dominant once he gets himself there at the right time. And, you know, Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley play off each other really well. They, they just always have, and it's just kind of something that works between the two of them. And it's just a matter of getting a, a few more reps with their games back in a place that I think they're more familiar with. Do you think they'd ever split up Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor? <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure. It, I guess anything's on the table. Rick Bonus has kind of always said that. It kind of depends how it, it's all going. I mean, I remember a few years ago it was, well, they – would they ever split up 
Blake Wheeler and Mark Trifley. And that, you know, obviously happens here and there as well. So um, I, I would say, you know, everything's always on the table, but I think they know what that duo is capable of. And right now it's just nothing's going for, for any line whatsoever. So um, I think offensively, once, once something starts going for them, they obviously got a big goal against uh, Pittsburgh to open the scoring, but um, with Nikolai Ehlers, you know, on that two on one there, but, you know, I think once they, once they get one, I think you'll, you'll start to see a lot of confidence right now. It just seems like, they're just missing the net. They're missing their opportunities or they're having pucks roll off their sticks. That's just kind of how it's going for Winnipeg offensively right now. Well, you, you look at the sample size since the All-Star break in the four games, right? Game one, they lose to Pittsburgh. They give up a couple power play goals. They don't score. Game two, they fall behind 3 nothing early and then an early shorthanded goal. Defense and special teams were a big issue in, in those two games. I think defensively, the team has been a lot better the last two games. The offense still isn't there. But what does it say about the team that they're able to pull out two wins in a row, scoring just three goals in two games? Yeah, I mean, it's it's unbelievable, honestly. Like, in terms of, you know, you, you think of the, the structure that they've been able to play with. And they've even said, you know, they haven't loved, like, some parts of their game. They felt they got away from it a little bit. But, I mean, that's incredible to do, especially, you know, you consider, you know, with the scores that you tend to see in the postseason – Two one one nothing three two. You have to be able to win those games and be comfortable in those games. And throughout the season, we've seen Winnipeg is comfortable in that situation. I think it's just such a big difference when when they get the first goal as opposed to chasing. They're comfortable behind one nothing. It's you know like that happens, but you know they just seem to be a team that whenever they score first, they make it you know extremely difficult on their opponents to be able to get back in the game. It just seems like it's not even that they like sit back and lock it down. They still you know are on the on their toes and going north it's just the the pressure that they put on the other team in terms of you know making them make decisions quickly or earlier than they want to or move the puck quicker than they want to you know they just seem to be able to capitalize on that right now obviously offensively it's not going for them but in that situation you love to be able to fall back on your structure and of course the goaltending that you've been getting all year from Connor Hellbuck and Lauren Brassois. So Wednesday last game they put up a lot of chances they only get one goal against the San Jose Sharks I think they like the way that the offense was going and able to generate, but how much of that is the San Jose Sharks, who admittedly did go into Calgary and win 6-3 last night? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that just kind of adds to uh, what, what Rick Bonus always says. Anybody can beat anybody on any night. So that's just your, your classic example of it. I think, you know, I think part of it, you know, yes, there was a little bit of rust on the side of San Jose, but I thought Winnipeg played quite well. You know, in terms of the the chances that they were able to generate, they took advantage of some of the opportunities that were there. You know, I, I think of the stretch pass from from Logan Stanley to set up you know Niederreiter. You know, I mean, like it's not too often those chances present themselves. Perhaps a little bit more against San Jose, a younger team that's still developing and figuring things out a little bit defensively, and having a, a couple of big players out of their lineup in Couture and Hurdle. But you know, I think it's going to be a really good test tomorrow against Vancouver because it's a team that can score off the rush. Their power play is good. They they can score off the forecheck. And, you know, they've got a goaltender that they're very confident in, in Thatcher Demko. So, you know, it's going to be a, a big challenge for Winnipeg. But usually when that happens, it's all about just going back to what you do well. They're going to play with their structure, absolutely. And they're going to want to try to get bodies to the net to make things a little bit more difficult on Demko, who's having a tremendous season of his own. 15 goals in the last 11 games for the Winnipeg Jets. That is not a big number, uh, but they're going to have to score, I would think, 
they're going to have to score three goals in a game eventually here, right? <laughs> it feels like we're, we're close to it. Nito Niederreiter himself could add four against San Jose with the way that, uh, that he was playing. And, you know, I just think it's one of those things that, you know, you're going to, you're going to get a couple of once they, <laughs> once they get three, I feel like getting a, a third goal will just be, would be massive for, for all their confidence. But, you know, it's, uh, so often when it's things like this, it's it's go to the net, have it go off a couple of bodies and in like Morgan Barron had, and you know, and then eventually everything else kind of starts to fall into place. Winnipeg will find their scoring touch. They're they're too skilled and too good of a team for that not to happen. But just to do you know my part, maybe I'll switch something in my pregame routine. Maybe not a double double tomorrow. Maybe just a you know one cream, one sugar in the coffee. Do what I can anyways from my vantage point. There you go. Good job. Team player Mitchell Clinton right there. <laughs> the power play. Is it ever going to be good? Yes. I mean, and actually they worked on it today and I thought something was uh, something that I really liked was, and, and we heard, you know, when Sean Monaghan came in, what he's capable of doing in that bumper spot. And I, I was keying in on it today just because, you know, there's been a few games now, almost a handful of games for Sean Monaghan. And, and some opportunity to work with that unit in some practices and also in some games. And I thought he started to really present himself a little bit more. I'm not sure if it was something that they were working on exactly, but he was getting a little bit higher in that bumper spot when the, when the situation called for it. And Mark Shifley, Shifley was able to hit him with a one-timer that, that he buried in practice today. And it was just a play that I haven't quite seen. Maybe it just hasn't been available to, given the, what the penalty kill that they're going up against from various teams. But I thought it was an interesting look. And, Kyle Connors seems to have that, that one-timer sorted out as well. The, the power play looked quite good in practice today, but again, it's practice, and you know how badly they want to do it in a game and get off this little power play slide and get it uh, back being something that they can rely on to turn games for them. It's not really little at this point. It's a pretty long slide. Yeah, this, exactly. The power play is in single digits <laughs> little, over many little, weeks. Yeah, Little's doing a little bit of uh, heavy lifting in that sense. Yeah, I mean, that's, it just... Their penalty kill has definitely improved, but the power play, when your five-on-five game isn't going in terms of offense, you need to be able to find it somewhere else. And, geez, even if it's, you know, 15%, it's better than what it is right now. And and I I wonder, just we, we've, we saw at five-on-five how well they moved the puck on Wednesday, how well they controlled in the offensive zone. We just, that didn't translate to the power play. Do you think they can draw inspiration from their even strength game and, and apply that to the five on four game? It's crazy because so often, you know, when you hear of teams, you know, going through some some skids or whatever, you know, at even strength, they'll say, well, you know, you know, you, you move it around in the power play, you get some touches, you start to feel good, and you're, you know, the, those principles of moving the puck quickly and, and whatnot that work so well on the power play just kind of bleed into your five on five game. Well, Winnipeg just kind of needs it to be the opposite. Now, obviously, five-on-five is going to be a little bit different in how you treat it in the offensive zone. You have way more time with the puck on, on the power play, obviously. But I think there there is some things that, you know, that they can do, you know, in terms of being being direct with the puck, have that have that shot-first mentality, get to the front of the net uh, on time and, and create those screens, those deflections that make, thing, make life difficult for, for goaltenders in the National Hockey League. You do that, you know, I think you're going to start to see, you know, so – at least more chances. And that's the biggest thing, right? Like, yes, we love to see the goals on the power play, but it's momentum is the biggest thing you start, which is getting some momentum for your team in that particular game at that particular moment. And then if you're able to do that, well, that usually means you're getting chances. And eventually just like a five on five, you got to think it's going to turn for Winnipeg in terms of some pucks finding the way to the back of the net, whether that's five on five or five on four. 
Mitchell, you nailed it, walking and talking. Appreciate that. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll let you go eat dinner now. Awesome. Thanks. Have a good night. That's Mitchell Clinton. He does color alongside Paul Edmonds on our Winnipeg Jets broadcast here on 680 CJOB. 7 o'clock is when the pregame show with Kelly Moore will begin tomorrow, and then the play-by-play with Mitchell and Paul will come your way just after 9 o'clock in this one-anthem showdown with the Vancouver Canucks. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect.